You're listening to BAU, Business as Unusual, the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements, organisations and ideas that are shifting the way we think, interact and transact. All right, Patrick, how are you, sir? Not too bad, Joe. We've raced here. We did, we did, my yeah. lord. So we're, we're in it again. So yeah, training's on and... Yes. Lockdown's happening tomorrow. Yeah. No, so I got to get my daughter up to um, her swim squad training, which which is on yeah. before um, I guess we get um, Dan's kind of novel uh, kind of twist in the coronavirus saga, which is an 8 p.m. Uh, close, close down. So it's kind of gone from, I think the vibe this afternoon was kind of, I think people were maybe anticipating this was, this was coming, but then there's been almost this kind of heightened level of panic that's come through with the... Uh, with the missing four hours, so to speak. Yeah, the um, the silence on the airwaves throughout today was just worrying, worrying yes. as those um, <clears throat> as the count went up, and we often know what happens after that here in Victoria. Yeah, like it's it yeah. is it's like um so you I, need to get noise, and it's probably going to be a, a day, a couple of days after that, yeah. or you get nothing, and then yeah, and yeah. then you get the hard cold. Yeah. slap a reality that day i call it the silent chicken coop so it's you know this thing where like uh-huh. i grew up with kind of chickens and even when you just went in to get their eggs it just goes quiet like they hear it and everyone's just quiet and then you'll get one little kind of dissenting in the corner but oh uh, yeah anyway so i'm, I'm obviously our the kind of um you know i guess our sentiment i don't know i'm just i'm broken up i am i'm trying to actually hold it together i'm trying to hold it together but it's uh it's tough isn't it like i think it's just such a um such a twist in your head you get these things like you know we were supposed to be doing like an off-site through through work so obviously that's all been um, that was actually supposed to be tomorrow that's all been um, pulled back and then pushed online and it's just this constant kind of redoing your life to fit something is uh you know obviously there's there's bigger problems in the world there's no doubt but it's 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 hard it's a it's a challenge it is a challenge and everyone experiences the challenge in such different ways but yeah there's no two ways about it, really, going around it. What it I think last episode we were talking about how it's like, or I, I compare it to going into a closet that you only visit when when you're <laughs> yes, in it. You yeah. You're never really around it. So before getting into the closet, you don't really remember what it was like. And then you get back in there and you're like, oh, dear. Yeah, but you know. It's not Narnia's closet. <laughs> no. It's not beautiful creatures <laughs> running around. No. And it's great story. There's not a lot good. There's not a lot good in there. So um, yeah. obviously we'll, we'll do this. We'll make the best of it that we actually can. And uh, yeah, I guess, you know, hopefully I'll see you in... Uh, seven days but that again i think you know all of us as kind of victorians as well as kind of across uh, the country we we all know that that is uh this tends to be a start point and you just kind of you pop up four weeks later if you're lucky yeah a couple of hold downs yeah. yeah yeah so best of luck to you and the fam same to you same to you um and today we're gonna we're gonna get a little bit behind the behind the scenes of patrick so I'm really curious, Pat, kind of if you can start off, like, I want to know a little bit about young Pat and kind of some of the kind of, um, you know, the kind of shenanigans that you used to get up to. Because I think you've got this kind of way of looking at the world that I'm kind of really intrigued to know where that comes from. The way of looking at the world. Yes. Well, um, I don't know it comes from. I went to a, a school, one school my whole life. I was the Melbourne Root of Stana School, shout out. Yeah, nice. Um, which is a different education, I suppose. It was very story-based. 
So everything we learned, we learned the ABC through stories. I remember K being a king, learning that eagles, two eagles were for E, double E. That's the sound that's so of it. Cool. Yeah. And same with um, with numbers. Everything was story tied. I think that sort of started my appreciation of how stories can communicate such key information. I was always the kid who'd put its hand up and say, um, I'll help whoever wasn't here fill you in on the story that was happening yesterday. Yeah. And I could pretty much remember it word for word except for the key characters' um, <laughs> names. Yeah. And that's still true. <laughs> <laughs> like to this day. Um, and yeah, that was the way I engaged with learning. I couldn't read for ages. At that school, you learn at your own pace. I had to teach myself how to read when I was in year nine. Like I would wow. go home. It was just getting to that point. I need to read. Like everyone was very capable at my class, but I didn't realize I was dyslexic mm. until I went to university. But um, just pushing through, that's what I tend to do to figure out a way is I just, it was my mum's advice actually said, just pretend to read a book, like just actually do the action. And if you can't read it, that's fine. Just move on through the words and see what happens. And I did that for a couple of months. And then in the end, it started clicking and I would be in class and be able to actually comprehend what was on the board. Um, but whenever I'd read a story out, I was always making up what I'd written. I'd write it down, but then I couldn't reread no word what I was yeah. writing out. I'd be so nervous. But I think that's why um, I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I've always been quite good at speaking and communicating verbally or orally sure. being pretty good orator because i've always had to make things up on the spot <laughs> yeah no i mean i think that's you know that obviously mirrors my my experience of you and then kind of this but this appreciation for kind of stories and kind of um you know it's funny for me to be sitting on the other side kind of asking you um the questions because often in in most of like quite a bit of the stuff that we do uh, together you're always the one that kind of is posing the question that kind of gets a really kind of interesting um take out of out of people so this kind of this curiosity that you have kind of um, behind you is one thing I've always appreciated, but, you know, I think it's great for the kind of the listener to understand where that comes from on, on your end and kind of, you know, why you kind of look at every person you meet as someone that kind of has, has a story. Yeah. I remember her time at school was year six and I just never, I was pretty jockey guy. Like I really liked playing sport. Um, and I think it was also compensating for my lack of ability to read and write and spell. Yeah. Um, and then one time in year six, we had to ask questions of people. And once again, I just wouldn't sit down and be quiet. And it was one time the teacher gave me a comment saying, geez, you're quite good at asking questions. And yeah, I just always have been a curious kid, I suppose. I think everyone is, but often I'm not afraid to ask those questions. No, and I think that's the big difference, right? So perhaps you can talk a bit more about that because I think everyone has questions, but you're one of the few people in life who always ask them. Yeah, I just think there's so much to learn. Um, every time I haven't asked the question, I've always wished I've asked that question. I think that's, you. for me, it's been big growth moments is to get over yourself and um, push through that and ask. And you always feel so much better than when you don't ask, even if it's a negative response, you just, you read that situation so much truer. It's not, it's, it, it's external rather than internal. You make it external, that sort of 
conversation or that curiosity and you just learn from that so i've always yeah prided myself on being able to ask those questions to whoever it is you're listening to bau business as unusual the podcast that speaks to the people behind the movements organizations and ideas that are shifting the way we think interact and transact your hosts patrick beggs of per production a production house that works with organisations to create media that strengthens culture and communicates that culture to the world. And Joe Rogers, CEO of The Contenders, a brand agency famous for crafting brands which deliver results for those who work for them, shop for them and support them. For more information, head to baupod.co. And if you find this podcast insightful, please help us by telling a friend and rating us on iTunes. Thank you. Now back to our conversations. All right, now Pat, the classic. So the name Purr. So when I think Purr, I think kitty cats, but that is absolutely apparently not the kind of story behind it. So tell me kind of like, where does the name Purr come from? We're purring along. No, <laughs> Geelong down at the... No, oh, come on. <laughs> Let's not go down that rabbit hole. No. So it only ends in loss for Geelong. No, I've, I've hidden behind what purr really means. Um, purr is picking up rocks and it comes from um, a combination of facts. It's a little introduction into my brain, really. Um, when I was trying to come up with the name of purr or the name for the business, I really wanted it to have layered meaning. That's often what I do just in my day to day. And I wanted it to represent um, something that I'm striving for. So once upon a time, my partner's um, granddad read my star signs and it's a strange thing to re get it mapped out. You get your time of birth, where you're born, and it sort of relates to the way the stars are. And it's really a strange thing to have happen to you. And he said, you're going to, he said, there's two options. I can't remember the other one, but one that resonated with me was you're going to be earth moving or moving things. And at the time, I was doing a lot of landscaping as I was trying to write this script. Yeah. And I really didn't want to join this landscaping <laughs> industry. I just felt in myself, I really wanted to be doing storytelling. I love working in the garden and working with earth. But I was like, I don't want to move that sort of earth. I want to move something else. And it sort of hit a bone with me anyway. Two years went on and then my mum showed me this photo and I was going through trying to name this business that I was starting. And she showed me a photo of her... Um, brother and a good friend of his who had the thickest glasses they were thicker than coke bottles yeah, like right. the old school yeah. coke bottles yeah. and they just had the biggest smiles on their face and they had just dirt like they were in like a very like basic kitchen setup. it could have been a tent and they just had the biggest smiles on their face and i go what have they been doing and mm. mum goes they've been picking up rocks and i just couldn't believe like the happiness that was conveyed in that story um just that photo first of all it was my mum's brother who passed away but then just and then she told me this guy's a mathematician who's like he's done a lot of study and he's just doing this um picking up rocks and he just looks the happiest he's probably ever been and then from my mind I drew the bow of picking up rocks it depends on how you frame a story it depends on how you frame your situation so looking at a rock it can just be a simple boring rock that gets thrown away but if you have the right attitude or right lens or right perspective that rock can be amazing and tell a million stories it can tell you the story of how it got there it can tell you the story of the landscape it can tell you the story of depends the question that you ask and it depends how you show that question and then i just went aha perk 
picking up rocks. That's so great, mate. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. Yes, Thank that's you. what we try and do. That's built into our, our fabric is, yeah, that's what we try and offer our service is we pick up rocks uniquely. <laughs> <laughs> No, I love it. I mean, my dad's a geologist, so I kind of grew up with like, but dad always told the story of the rock, right? Rather than actually where the, where the rock came from. And like, I noticed that even with like my own kids. <clears throat> so like our, when we went to uh, King Island, I brought back, like um, you saw me kind of collecting <laughs> shells, but also collecting rocks. But, but the kind of the stories is now like, I told them the story of finding that rock where I found it, what we were doing. And then the rock isn't just a rock, right? It's not just this piece of kind of stuff that like all random dad has kind of brought something weird back. <laughs> it's it's actually, they kind of sits there and they understand that kind of that that was kind of like that rock is from like Martha Lavinia and that wave is like this, or kind of, you know, that's from like a spot not to be named kind of further further <laughs> south and kind of all of this sort of stuff kind of that kind of actually actually came out was that the rock itself as you said it becomes a totem of the story and so through kind of per i guess you've been <clears throat> which is your company you know in terms of kind of this you know kind of new age kind of production company i think in terms of that you've obviously you've got the you've got the skills in terms of being able to kind of set up the the equipment but it's a lot more than than that in terms of kind of the you know some of the work that you've done for example with the children's farm kind of with different universities and being able to kind of actually tell these really complicated kind of stories but in a way that it feels very very human so perhaps you can kind of talk to us about the human side but then also start to talk about you know you could the kind of the increasing role of kind of um, data points and how you're kind of bringing that into your work yeah so um the company that we run sort of a stumbling way of getting into this work was I wrote a newspaper for a little while called The Sometimes and a lot of that was involving the creative perspective in on news and just opening up that frame for a different perspective to exist. And then from there started this company for production and um, one of the first major gigs was to tell the story of the Collingwood Children's Farm and didn't really realise actually what I was doing at the time. It just sounded like a podcast, but we were really doing an audit or doing a real deep research around yeah, people's sure. experience about creating the farm because it was made from for 40 years it was to celebrate that birthday and I really wanted to tell the story from all the different perspectives because when I did history at, at um, university I really liked the fact that history is so subjective or it's very much the eye of the observer so when you're trying to tell a historical document when I had the privilege to do that was to be able to incorporate everyone's voice who had a hand in doing that or to such an extent and really wanted to capture their story and to allow the Collingwood Children's Farm also to continue their funding. So each data point, each story could then be relied upon to back up what they're doing because they came from a social work background. That's how it was formed. And then also tell the story before then. So to tie the whole narrative um, of the Collingwood Children's Farm being existing for a lot longer than 40 years. It tied it to the nuns who mm. were there and then it tied it to the Wurundjeri people who were there before them looking after the land and still are looking after the land. They've got their office actually in the convent or right near the convent. Um, so it was a deep dive. And then actually speaking with you over the coffee counter when per production was still just trying to purr along, trying to get a bit of momentum and telling you a bit about the project sort of helped me realize what I was actually doing mm. um, and the significance of it, I think, and the methodology that was being built around this stumbling um, Patty just getting something <laughs> done. Oh, you weren't stumbling, mate. I think it's, you know, 
<clears throat> what's what's always fascinating me about the kind of the approach that you take to stuff. I mean, I think the que- the kind of questioning thing that we just spoke about, but it's actually you know perhaps that's in, you know kind of something I haven't really realized um, until now is that it's like laying out a, a timeline. It's like reordering the history of places, not to necessarily tell a linear story, but to actually tell the story. So it felt more like with the Collingwood Children's Farm, like all your work around that. There's loads of data points, and it's been critical for them for funding, etc. You've done an amazing service for them, but then the kind of piece that's interesting about it is it, it's cinematic in terms of the way that it's actually put together. Like you actually get drawn in um, to the kind of not just the narrative structure, but the actual facts that you didn't realize you didn't know. Yeah, well, that's where I get excited, and that's where I really start to see because I'm quite a visual person. Um, I'll visualize things, and very I nearly did my history thesis until a teacher told me to step back that's when i realized that I was, <laughs> oh, no. she's like man i think you're dyslexic i think if you're ever gonna write this i think you yeah. should do it um like audio or some other way and yeah. i was like oh yeah, yeah that's an interesting point or just do some media and i was like yeah fair enough it's yeah. um and so sat on that i actually went away and said stuff for you i'm gonna write a play and wrote a play for a year after that but um the way i visualize story is very the way, yeah, I hear audio is very visual. The way I picture things in that way is very visual. So it's really fun to do something that isn't visual and create something because your imagination goes wild for me in those moments. And it's a privilege to be able to edit and piece things together in that way, especially sure. something so complex. And then with some of our other work, it's very much around being able to incorporate a community's voice around a whole rather than a top-down, a bottom-up approach and be able to design that's been really fortunate to sort of evolve with the per production is to be able to help with a lot of the strategy pieces around um, creating an organizational narrative that holds a lot of different pieces in it Um, because I think that's where some organizations struggle is to incorporate that multi-perspective in a whole narrative and that's where I really get my my rocks off is trying to make something like that work for an organization because I think it really helps culture grow and that's our whole piece at Per is to we create media that helps culture um, and that is internal culture and external culture it really helps doing work we love and helping people um, in their organizations continue doing the work that they love in an incorporating manner cool and like how have you started to to bring um like things like data that are they're they're often seen as kind of less like they're not cultural right it's not like the two of us kind of sitting here having having a chat and there's kind of there's there's totems but the way that you're approaching that is about kind of and i guess you know talk a little bit more about kind of how you're bringing that kind of visualization theory and kind of being able to tell a narrative to kind of all the stuff i mean you've taught me so much around kind of data storytelling over the last couple years so i'm just kind of maybe you can speak to us a little bit about that Mm. well at first it's just opening your eyes to what data can be or what data can be um for me once again going back to the farm all those stories are data points and it's just how you tell that story and what it goes to tell a great data story it's the question so it really ties it into what you want to know from that data point and you can start from the from the search of collecting the data or you can start from a data set and start skimming through and trying to understand that so the biggest point when you're trying to understand and 
former Vedata story from my experience is first understanding what you're trying to achieve and form that question. I think Stefan really opened my eyes to that as well and reaffirmed that that's such a key component of telling a great data story is starting from the start, getting everyone on board with that question and then doing the search together. I think that's when you start to create meaningful change through telling data stories because everyone's on board. Um, So it's that initial work of getting all the stakeholders on board and asking meaningful questions and then us having the skills to sift through that data and open people's eyes up to what is a data point and then being able to not only get the insight but also tell a story through that data because that's when you start getting people on board that movement on board that narrative and resonating with it and i think that's when strength and culture is formed from and Mm. that's where it can lend itself we've dived deep into data and it is a funny old place it's a new form of storytelling or like storytelling reframed really yeah and that search for for meaning right i mean we've spent we've spent a lot of time kind of looking at that and it's you know it's almost self-evident now that kind of data in and of itself is nothing but the kind of the way that you actually look at it to bring meaning because we are human is is vital and and integral but the the interesting stuff in your methodology i think is you know obviously like in a in a management consultancy sense you would take like mckinsey like do a seven-step process boston consulting group do a five they all have a way of kind of looking at it but it's always about if it's good it's about actually kind of nailing the problem statement. Like, what do we actually have to do? Design thinking is no different in terms of, but it tends to be a bit more kind of, um, you know, what's the end user's kind of pain point? So it's more free in terms of how it looks at it. But in your methodology, it's actually about that the answer is in the community, right? I mean, perhaps just talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, well, the answer is in the community participation, and then it's the answer is in the community's multi um, perspective and incorporating that in the end result um, that's when it really works best if you can do it that way and allow everyone to feel like they've had the say and allow everyone to feel part of the narrative that's like the true power that lies there so everyone if everyone can feel part of the narrative and help shape it if that is the story and if that is the truth with it most often is because without everyone then there's nothing Um, So if you can really tell that story well, then that's when you really do create a very inclusive culture where you can move the needle forward and and change a few things and and for the better if if the right people are at the helm, I suppose. And often if they're asking that inclusive question, that is the that is the case. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. No, and I think it's, you know, having kind of been fortunate enough to kind of, you know, participate with you in a few of those things. It's just, it's, I mean, I think it's it's really quite unique in terms of the way that you're actually, actually doing that. Because a lot, like in a lot of um, my work in the past is that it's perspective, but there's still kind of hierarchy. But the way that you're doing it, which is kind of like everyone's kind of thing is then brought together at the end is, is different. It's almost like doing a whole series of one-on-ones with everyone. And then, you have this innate ability which is kind of you know makes sense now in terms of kind of that you grew up in an environment that appreciated story to be able to piece that all together and then at the end of it you go holy crap right i understand that now yeah well it's nice that you can see that if you feel that that's beautiful um yeah that's a great feeling if if people can get that from our work it's yeah something that strives us forward and gets me up early in the morning and um, (laughs) continues through yeah i enjoy that and uh, yeah look forward to doing more work in that space but it's an evolving sphere and yeah just feel fortunate for doing some of our work that we get to do um shaping narratives that's what i've always loved doing so i feel real very lucky to be able to be in the position i am to to help 
Oh, mate. Well, thank you. Thanks for kind of, you know, taking us through through all of that. Now, last episode, you had a, you brought a beautiful uh, street sign for me with my last name on it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do not have that. I've been looking everywhere for a Beck Street, <laughs> but there's not a lot of them around. Yeah. But I will I will come up with the goods. But I did return your chainsaw and I did bring you some extra <laughs> blue boil for the bar. So hopefully that will tide us over until next time. For sure. That'll keep me busy during lockdown. I think that's <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, the trees trees won't thank me, but yeah. the uh, the family will be nice. It's and dead wood. It's dead wood. <laughs> yeah, sir. It's time. <laughs> Cheers, <is> right. <laughs> thank you for listening to BAU Business as Unusual. Subscribe and learn more at baupod.co. That's baupod.co.